Chapter Two, Part One of Almond Blossom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Almond Blossom by Olive Watsley. Chapter Two, Part One. Le coeur a des raisons que les raisons ne connaît pas. Within a week, Dolores Juana Esteval, aged two years and one month, a member of the Holy Roman Church and a citizeness of the Spanish Kingdom had become the legal possession of tony and francesca and the parents of dolores juana had become the legal possessors of a portable bank and felt themselves to be happily free from an encumbrance dolores accepted the change in her life and surroundings philosophically she left the parental tent seated between tony and francesca and tony francesca noted with a little bleak smile drove very slowly in order that dolores might see all that there was to be seen in the way of passers-by or flowering trees or oxen francesca could have cursed and cried laughed and derided as she sat in infinite loneliness that sunlit afternoon and watched tony's patience his unaffected pleasure in dolores unsteady but so attractive walk her solemn wonder at finding herself defeated by the ground she had a moment before trampled upon in triumph he had gone with francesca to engage a nurse and he had talked with her in his bad vigorous spanish about dolores laughing at his mistakes but nevertheless managing to drive home any point he wished to emphasize as he talked francesca had marvelled for he knew his subject and again at that realization a sword had turned in her heart dolores her curls brushed and bobbing every moment her cheeks carnation pink with excitement her green eyes like clear pools lit by sheer sunshine danced on tony's knee her short fluffy skirts billowing out like tiny white waves about her the car had been requisitioned for days for her shopping tony had contributed a pair of emerald green shoes and a little jade necklace i never knew you had such decorative instincts francesca told him i haven't doro has such green eyes that's all he said with a grin he had chosen doro as a name and emilia the nurse and francesca had received this ultimatum with quiescence at any rate francesca owned to herself doro paid for dressing for the meticulous care to which she was now subjected she was a really lovely thing and as tony constantly repeated when she smiles imagination was left to cope with a marvel so enchanting as if she understood doro kept the smile almost exclusively for tony tony was her god and sky her need and dream she said his name first her only english word she knew his voice his step and she swarmed up him the moment he sat down clutching a flannelled knee in deadly seriousness whilst she stood with both emerald shod feet on one of tony's and pulled herself higher till she stood upright gripping the lapels of his coat her face near to his the enchanting smile breaking out at the glorious triumph of her progress and tony would say under his breath you little ripper you stunning little kid he did not lavish many endearments on doro in francesca's hearing he might be thick heavy as has been stated but if he was also as had been hinted by francesca's friends one ideaed sometimes that single instance of imagination was extremely tactful francesca and he had never discussed the question of her affection for doro 
yet though francesca had been entirely sweet about getting the child things seeing to her welfare and though she called her darling tony knew that an imitative effort on his part would not be welcome so doro remained unendeared in public and tony made up for it when he could in private he had few chances francesca was generally present but he had one amazing gorgeous afternoon when he drove doro out alone in the car whilst francesca disposed if she could of a headache and encouraged a siesta emilia pleaded to go not that she loved the car but that she loved dolores the car in an access of self-abandonment she had termed a machine of the evil one having driven in it when tony had felt inclined to pace and having never forgotten that memorable and devastating experience the mere idea of her beloved baby driving forth to certain danger to her probable death in emilia's opinion was not to be endured without violent protest but tony was adamant and at last having besought every saint she could remember to keep an eye on her baby and avert the evil eye from the car emilia watched the rolls disappear in a cloud of dust and returned to a broken siesta on the veranda where luckily miguel the first waiter was also resting from his labours and could help to beguile sorrow from the mind by means of picked tunes played upon the mandolin and accompanied by glances long expressive and lovelorn tony and dolores meanwhile drove together in easy silence dolores had on a white muslin dress and a large white shawl which stood up in a peak at the back of her white bonnet which was of stout corded silk and had a ruffle round the face like it tony inquired at length some ten miles having ticked off the speedometer he translated his speech into dolores native tongue and she smiled tony put an arm round all the sweet whiteness and doro laughed she stretched up and laid a hand on the huge steering wheel and laughed again so tony lifted her on his knee and doro drove it was hot and still and peaceful and at last having noticed the garden which seemed to belong to an untenanted house tony ran the car back and holding doro on one arm went in at the rusty iron gate to investigate the house a square pink-washed building the pink faded to a pale lemon colour in many places its black and white roof glittering in the sunshine stood back raised upon two small terraces it appeared utterly deserted and indeed the cobbled paths were nearly hidden beneath their growth of rank grass and groundsel but the terraces were cascades of loveliness from which roses tumbled in velvety waves of gorgeous deep red and sheerest most delicate pink tony took out his pipe and sat down beneath an orange tree it was infinitely peaceful here there seemed to be only sunshine and the nearness of the bees and roses in the world we'll come here often he said to doro you and i do you see it's our enchanted garden we discovered it he looked gravely at doro who looked back with that wide satisfying look of childhood when it loves and trusts tony had none of that reputed shyness disease of mind which is popularly supposed to beset a man at the mere nearness of a baby he had no gene whatever where children were concerned to cour he belonged to that class of men which likes children dogs and horses because it understands them a class whose adjectives are limited but their hearts large 
he was planning all sorts of things for doro as she industriously rolled one orange after another between his feet white goal-posts of obliging extension into which doro shot with surprising regularity when she sat close to the right foot and pushed the orange with both hands this manoeuvre tony criticised as became one of the supporting patrons of the british empire he instructed doro in the mysteries of a fowl and urged her to shoot a little farther off thus introducing more dash into the game doro agreed instantly she sat down with a comfortable bump opposite tony at a distance of two yards and proceeded to kick off good egg tony said judicially when a stout orange by pure chance rolled home at last keep it up old lady they played absorbedly both being of that temperament which has received biblical mention in the form of an adjuration which advice applied to trade crises to-day should prove of inestimable value to the output if the workers could accept it doro and tony pursued their labour with their feet in place of hands as originally directed but the result was satisfactory i'll teach you cricket later on tony volunteered as the game progressed and to ride and shoot and above all fish my dear he removed his pipe from between his teeth in order to give doro a fair and unimpeded statement on this vital matter fishin is the sport doro to go out early and stand and watch the deep swirl of quiet water to wait and think and then do it all over again in a world to yourself where you can feel there's room where you can breathe at peace and then home in the evening through the thick soft grass with the shadows creeping over the hills and the smell of crushed leaves and wood fires burning there's a lot of fishing baby take it from me doro apparently took it for she said slowly and distinctly as one repeats a hallowed word fish to tony's ardent waltonian soul this was sheer joy he felt this would be an anecdote for all time to prove conclusively the superlative wisdom of doro and they passed towards the car in radiant mood within view of the gate tony halted abruptly and as he did so a voice hailed him languidly hello rex at last i knew the car of course been stalking you as a matter of fact why what there was a pause during which tony lifted doro and walked out of the garden he said meeting the amused amazed stare of the young man in the second car we've adopted doro doro this is your uncle pan pasquale greville after one swift glance at tony's face bent over doro's hand and raised it with absurd impressment to his lips as he lifted his head he said lightly pon my soul rex your taste is excellent congratulations indeed tony grunted non-committantly then he said why are you here i thought you said in your note to fay it was impossible to obtain leave that you had some special stunt on oh yes but that is quite over the affair has died out they always do in madrid we live on the verge of death by reason of our diplomatic frenzy over some detail and behold the next day or at tea-time the same day it is over this particular affair shrivelled like tissue paper in a flame one becomes inured to an enormous expenditure of energy over nothing after a time and remains impassive then one obtains leave for the powers believe impassiveness to be exhaustion due to forced labour i have never admired economy but always its result 
he gave a little laugh at his own words and tony inquired unsmilingly your car his eyes on the scarlet racer oh no desange lent it to me he nodded to the chauffeur at the wheel and told him in excellent spanish to crank up you can go back to the hotel i am returning in the other car see fay at the hotel tony inquired next no her maid said she was asleep but a very voluble cordovan with excellent teeth and pencil-line eyebrows told me you had gone off in the car i was rather surprised at her knowledge knowing your views but i see upon reflection that the girl really has a position in your menage necessitated one supposes by my niece's advent tony said jerkily i rescued doro and uh, i we er we simply decided to adopt her excellent idea since she is quite beautiful tony thawed a little at this praise pasquale and he had never as he phrased it to himself quite hit it charles and he were differently bound editions of each other but pasquale who was ten years younger and had been the only child of their father's second marriage had never fitted into the perfect circle yet for the life of him tony could not have said why he had this detached feeling about pasquale why charles and he rarely talked of him and why pasquale seemed to lead a life apart he had chosen to go into the diplomatic and madrid had been his first post it had been at his instigation that the rexfords had decided to motor in spain they had all met in paris by chance and pasquale had seemed for once actually enthusiastic about something and the something had been cordova it has mystery it holds the pass between the dry palms of its dark hands he had said tony in his more acute moments had wondered whether pasquale had not the poetic instinct rather let us say he had feared this catastrophe and always dreaded secretly to receive tangible proof thereof especially when pasquale enthused of course it had been realized very early in the rexford home that pasquale as a name was impossible the rexford tradition as exemplified in the two elder sons decreed all things foreign to be somewhat highfalutin as a compromise and partly because pasquale used the word himself he had been nicknamed pan by chance therefore certainly from no far vision on the part of tony or charles they gave their small half-brother a name whose appositeness later in his life could not be gainsaid another quietly mournful outlook of tony's was concerned with pasquale's undeniable beauty tony considered it almost distressing it seemed unmanly of pasquale to be really beautiful and odd and unnecessary that any member of decent family should be so dowered one divine mercy alone had been vouchsafed to him in this connection pasquale was not conceited or at least if he was he had sufficient subtlety to disguise the fact dimly tony realized pasquale was damn clever and that also disquieted him he could not fathom this brilliant-eyed brilliant-brained young brother at all with his deliberately exotic outlook his barbaric strength and his pose of extreme languidness about everyone and everything comes of being foreign tony told himself finding therein a balm for his own perplexity of mind it's his hungarian mother it would have been a source of comfort to tony if pasquale's mother had been austrian it seemed a less remote less wild and altogether better country to have sprung from 
she had died shortly after his father who had idolized her and also true to type idealized her too a fortunate combination of adoration and one which adds enormously to the comfort and peace of life for both people concerned tony and his stepmother had got on inasmuch that both had tacitly and unobtrusively avoided the other after his mother's death tony had made over her fortune to her son he imagined now that pasquale's surprise visit was probably due to money shortage but he minded that very little he was a generous soul and the clan protective instinct stood him in good stead here pasquale had lifted doro on to his knee and was teasing her in spanish to which she responded with complete self-possession both doro and he smiled at tony at the same moment and he was struck by the brilliance of their smiles the quick flash of pasquale's golden hazel eyes the translucent sweetness of doro's he found himself thinking what ripping children pan'll have aloud he said why don't you marry pan why should one pasquale answered evenly at twenty-five anyway vous pas la peine my dear seems a pity not to tony said be better for you than your type of life pasquale made a little grimace over doro's head his clear-cut lips curved downwards for a moment his eyes held a faintly contemptuous look with that needle-like intuition of some pointed minds which goes unerringly to the very subject the listener wishes to avoid he asked in retaliation how exactly does francesca feel about doro tony bristled defensively how do you mean how exactly does she feel about it he asked oh it occurred to me that it must be rather difficult one would think to accept such a condition even when it means so lovely a thing and not feel something she was most awfully cut up when her accident happened wasn't she tony said rather heavily fay suggested our adopting doro pasquale smiled again this time with a mixture of admiration and derision oh i knew that i was sure it would be she he agreed lightly they drove the rest of the way in silence on the veranda francesca was waiting for them she waved to them gaily pasquale noticed the cordovan girl with the pencil-line eyebrows was just behind her and that francesca gave her directions he therefore was quite ready to deliver doro into the arms held up for her and tony descended unencumbered from the car end of chapter two part one of almond blossom recording by maricel quee